And we're going to study this morning James chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. And I'm going to read beginning in verse 19. And if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to follow along with me as I read. And the version I'm reading is the English Standard Version. God's Word says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you again asking for help. I confess that anytime I open your word to expound your word, I feel weak. I'm aware of my frailty and vulnerabilities. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through my many limitations. And I pray that you would help us to be more aware of our Lord as we walk out. I pray you would help us to just push aside all distractions and concerns and fears and worries to focus on you. And I pray we would be an attentive group this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two weeks into the new decade, just a few months ago, weeks ago, my wife's phone rang and on the other end was a detective from the Tempe Police Department. Now, I'm not used to getting calls from detectives. If you're one, nothing against you, but I don't really think you should be, I'm not used to them detecting anything in my life. And so the detective said, ma'am, you should check your husband's credit history because we've arrested someone who's possibly using his identity to try to purchase things. Okay, and then we received a letter in the mail from the county attorney that said this individual was arrested. And one of those things he was arrested, two things that he was arrested for was fraudulent schemes and artifices, which sounds super theoretical and like, okay, how does, what does that have to do with me? And aggravated taking identity of another. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then we get a letter from the detective and he speaks much more personally. He says, I specifically would look for anything having to do with vehicles. He said, I did see one partial email displayed on his phone stating, Coleman, that is me, by the way. My real name is Coleman, uh, not Rich. If you wonder the story, you can talk to somebody else. We're not going to talk about that now. <laughs> Coleman, they have one Mustang available. So this guy, bad guy, takes my identity, and he's looking to buy a Mustang. So this fake me is trying to buy a real Mustang. Still, it seems kind of theoretical and whatever. 
But then we get even more details, and specifically, we get pictures. We get in our email a picture. Now, you might look and say, wow, there's two people trying to steal his identity. No, actually, that's me from 15 years ago, right there at the bottom, before I started coloring my hair gray, way back then. That's me. This gentleman here is not me, but what we see is this guy put his picture on my driver's license. Now, it's an old address, but because we live in Arizona and licenses don't expire until like 2053 or whatever, it's still good. So this guy is going around with my name, my address, my license number, and he has proof that he's me. And he's apparently visiting car showrooms or whatever, trying to purchase a vehicle. He had a degree of proof. His deception was good. He had my name, he had my address, my signature, my license. He could produce this and say, I am Coleman Richardson. But I knew he wasn't who he claimed to be. It, took other, it would take other tools to expose his deception. And in my case, it was the work of the Tempe Police Department to expose his deception, for, him, for others to see that he wasn't who he said he was. This morning, James is going to give us a set of tools to expose possible deception in our lives. The deception he is looking to expose is one that others do not carry out against us, but we can carry against ourselves. The deception <clears throat> that James is drawing our attention to this morning is a self-deception. You see, all of us have the capacity, no matter who we are, to deceive ourselves and think we are a faithful follower of Jesus when in fact we are not. It's easy to say, I have the name of Christian. I have proof because I've done all these things. I've prayed a prayer. I've been baptized. I know Christian truth. And therefore, that means I'm a believer. James is going to tell us none of those things alone prove that you are a follower of Jesus. In fact, you may be deceived. You might not be who you think you are, James says. If we were to summarize what he says in one sentence, it would be this. Don't be deceived. Believers are doers of the word. Don't be deceived. Believers are doers of the word. Believers in Jesus are doers of his word. Now, there are four different kinds of people in this room, I know, because these are the kinds of people that exist everywhere. There are those of you who do not follow Jesus, and you know it. I'm glad you're here. There are others of you who do follow Jesus, and you know it. Again, I'm, gl I'm glad everybody's here, but I'm glad you're here. There are those that are followers of Jesus, and you don't have assurance. You don't know it. And there are others who are not followers of Jesus, and they do not know it. They're deceived. That last category is the category that James speaks to us this morning. That's the category James is trying to expose. He's trying to expose that kind of self-deception. And he's going to do it by presenting a situation, a normal life situation, giving the solution, and providing a summary. He's going to present a normal life situation, give the solution, and then give a summary. The, the situation is in verse 19. James chooses a sin and a temptation 
that we are all able to relate to. It's anger, right? Nobody in this room can say, I don't really know what it's like to be angry. I don't know what it's like to be tempted to be angry. By using anger, he is showing that this is a temptation that is common to all. Now, if you had coffee with your friend, and your friend sat across the table and with sad eyes said, I got angry at my kids last night. You wouldn't go, what? You what? You wouldn't have to say, what does anger feel like? What goes on inside? You'd go, I get it. That's the genius of James here saying, pointing out anger. Now, if that same person sat across the table at that same coffee shop and they said, listen, last night I was really tempted and I wanted, I wanted to know my future, so I contacted a medium and spoke to the dead. You wouldn't go, you know what, I'm tempted by necromancy too, probably. You'd probably say, wow. If they say, can you help me, help me you know, keep me accountable not to do any more seances? You'd say, no, I can't do that. I can't relate to that, probably is what you're going to say. But every one of us can relate to anger. That's why the topic of anger is brilliant. He brings up this because all of us know what it's like to get angry. In fact, not only do we know what it's like to get angry, we can probably remember the last time we were angry. And more than that, we can probably remember some time in our life where anger dominated some of the things we said and we regret it to this day. And so James says, know this, my beloved brothers, should read brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You'll notice that this in verse 19 is not primarily about speech, but the point is when you are quick to hear, slow to speak, you will become slow to anger. Speech will be taken up by James again in James 3. What James shows us here in verse 19 is the road that we take to anger. See, the reality is when we get angry, we're slow to hear. We're quick to speak, and therefore we're quick to anger. Now, the anger James is talking about here is not anger at yourself or anger at evil in general, but anger at others. And by others, he means people in your life. And anger flares, the road of anger starts when we are slow to hear, quick to speak, and therefore quick to anger. Our mouth, when it's engaged, often leads to anger. Our ears, when they are not engaged, often leads to anger. That's the thing about James that's so refreshing. It's so easy to understand. When I come up to a stop sign in a car and I look to my right and see this sign that says stop, I don't have to wonder, I wonder what it means. What should I do? Speak to me sign. No, I stop, right? James is like a stop sign. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Very easy to understand. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We don't have to say, James, what kind of mystery are you delving into here? Who can understand these? I need to go away and study these words. 
I need to pray about how to respond. I need to just ponder by myself. No. James says, it's easy. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Hearing others, hearing what they have to say, means listening for understanding. It means recognizing that someone might see something in us or in our lives that we might not be able to see, so we need to be quick to hear what they have to say, no matter who they are. We need to be slow to speak, super unnatural. This does not mean we should never speak. It means we should be slow to speak. It's so easy to formulate a response when we aren't really listening to the person who's talking to us. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be angry at injustice, oppression, murder, racism, things like that. But normally, if you're like me, I get angry when someone either does something to me I don't like or they don't do something for me I wish they did. The anger, the anger that flares in my life is when I'm, when I'm aware of slights, snubs, thoughtlessness, insults, and unkindness. And that's what James is talking about here. Be slow to anger. Now, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? We've said this before. In Scripture, the Scriptures never tell us what to do without telling us why. It's never as if the Bible just says, hey, do this, and you don't really need to know why. Just do it, because I said. No, the Bible always gives us reasons. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Verse 20 tells us why. For. You could render that word. The idea of it is because. For. The, right, the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, anger does not lead to obedience. Anger does not lead toward reflecting godliness. Anger does not lead to righteousness, but disobedience and unrighteousness. You see, as believers in Jesus, as followers of him, we're called to be more and more like our Father. We're called to be godly. And what does it mean to be godly but to reflect our God? Exodus 34, 6 says, here's who the Lord says he is. He is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Slow to anger. If there's anyone who has a right to be quick to anger, it's him, but he is not like us, he is slow to anger. Now we're aware of the situation. Situation we can all relate to. Are we saying that no genuine Christian ever gets angry? No. Absolutely not. Are we saying that no genuine Christian can struggle with anger? No. That's just the situation. Now we see the solution. Now, Here's the reality. How you respond to situations like this determine who you are. Remember what we've said our point is? Christians are doers of the word. So we've seen the situation, now the solution. The solution is in verse 21. Expel and receive. Remember, don't be deceived. Believers are doers. Here's what James says we ought to do. Verse 21, therefore. Therefore is a word that connects right back to verses 19 and 20. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, 
James is not moving on to another subject here and talking about sexual immorality or anything else. He's saying that when we are, when we are not, when we don't listen and when we are quick to speak and we are quick to anger, we are, that, that's filth and rampant wickedness defining, our, defining who we are. There is no right for us to live lives dominated with anger. And in fact, when we do, that's filth. That's rampant wickedness. See, none of us can say, I got angry because that's just the way I am. Or I'm Sicilian and all my people get angry. Or my dad got angry before me, his dad got angry before him, and that's what I do. How does the Lord view angry speech toward others? Filthy. Rampant wickedness. It's as if angry people are clothed in clothes, are dressed in clothes of filth and wickedness. Now, no one here would knowingly or willingly wear clothes that were washed in sewage. No one would wear a shirt slathered in dung. And if someone came up to him and said, what are you doing? You'd say, well, my dad used to wear shirts like this. It's kind of where I'm from. It's kind of my vibe. It's how I roll. You roll with that on your shirt? No, no one would say this, but how often we can make excuses for our anger. If you think it's crazy to wear a shirt slathered in dung, it's much more crazy to make excuses for anger. Now, how, what determines whether or not we're a Christian? Do, we, do, we struggle, do Christians struggle with anger? Yes. It's how they respond. Look at verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Look at that word, the two words together. Put away. Throw away. If you smell the stench of anger in your life, what are we to do? Pray about it? No. Study what this means? No. Let me tell you what put away means in the Greek. In English, it means put away. It means get rid of it. It means, it means push it out of your life. Get rid of it. Get rid of all rampant wickedness. Renounce it. But as we know, it's never enough just to turn away from things. We must replace them. And so that's what Paul, or James says in verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive. Notice, you can't just throw away trash and just be in neutral ground as a Christian. You have to throw away and put on. See that? Throw away filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness, which just means humility, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. See that? You don't just go, all right, I'm going to take this bad habit and throw it to the side, and I'm not going to be cursed by that anymore. No, you can't do that because it'll come right back to you. You have to replace it with something else. Instead of being clothed with filth, you become clothed with the word of God. And we are to receive with meekness the implanted word. It's never enough to renounce bad actions or habits. We must replace them with something else. Else, we expel the filth and receive the word. We receive with meekness, James says, the implanted word. Now, that's a strange way to say this. How can you receive something that is already implanted in you? See, he's getting to the nature of what it is to follow Jesus. A Christian already has the Word of God 
put in their heart and in their lives by the Spirit of God. James is saying any genuine believer, any genuine believer has the Word of God already implanted in them. That means we've received and believed the gospel. We have been regenerated. Now, also, every genuine believer will continue to receive with humility the Word of God in their lives because they know they need it. In other words, believers must allow the Word of God to continue to influence them throughout their whole lives. Genuine believers must allow the Word of God to influence all of their lives. There's no such thing as just a Sunday Christian or just a Wednesday night Christian. There's no such thing as just a part of your life following Jesus. No, what James is telling us here is that we must be people who receive with meekness the Word of God. We must continually put ourselves in a position to receive the Word of God and let the Word of God come to us on its own terms and not say, I'm an exception. You don't understand. My situation is much more complex. No, we receive with meekness. Genuine believers are going to want the Bible to round off harsh, angry edges in our lives. Believers will be less likely to fall into deception if they let the Bible have its say instead of telling the Bible what it must say. You see, this is one of the reasons that one of our core values here at Center Church is to preach the Word of God. Anybody can say that the Word of God is authoritative, but we want to act like it too, which means we're going to preach through books of the Bible and let the Bible have authority in our lives. This means we're not going to just preach through topics. Why? Because we need the Bible. We need the Lord to speak through us through His Word, and we don't just need to know things about certain topics. It would be easy to preach how to be happy, how to have great kids, how to have the best marriage ever, how to overcome disappointments, how to be a success, how to be wise with your money, how to have the life of your dreams. The Scriptures touch on some of those things, but none of those things are the point of the Bible. What we need most is not teaching on popular topics. We need to receive with meekness what the Word of God says. And James, James is one of those sections of scriptures. There's a ton of things that James is going to say that I would never stand up in front of a crowd and say. He's going to say, you adulterous people. Now, I've never had that thought when I think about our church. But James is going to put that in my mouth. We'll see what I have to, what we have, to, what he has to say later. But even today, to say, be doers, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's easy when you hear something on a topic and you say, "I like that. I agree with that. That's good." What about when you hear something you don't like, and you don't think it's good? It's there. We receive with meekness God's word. You see, believers, genuine believers, will hear what the word says and not say, ah, that doesn't apply to me. No, that's not receiving the word with meekness. That's receiving the word and saying, this is the boundary of my life and you can't come any farther. I'm going to 
build a moat around me and you can't affect me, word of God, I am going to decide what I let in and what I don't let in. That's not how this works. A genuine believer will not have a moat around their life and they will be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. They will expel the filth of anger and receive the word of God humbly. This means that we need to read the word. We need to sit under faithful preaching of the word. We need to be regular at a church on Sundays. It's not enough just to sit at home and read the Bible by yourself. You need someone else speaking to you. Because just as I do, we need to hear other people's perspectives about what they see in the Bible. See, those who remove themselves from fellowship with a church often also remove themselves from fellowship to Christ. And we need to be regularly receiving this, Im- this implanted word with meekness. Meekness. Why? Again, we have a reason in verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Why? Which is able to save your souls. Now, he doesn't say because you're already saved. He says which is able to save your souls, which means this. Genuine believers persevere until the end. There's this future orientation. You can tell who believes by their life and by their faithfulness. And they will know that they will, the honest, genuine believer will never outgrow their need to hear and receive the word from the Word of God. <clears throat> Sometimes we need the Word to challenge us. Sometimes the word we, need, we need the Word to encourage us or exhort us or comfort us or control us or confine us or sustain us. Sometimes we need the Word to lay us low or bring us up or correct us or inspire us. But we always need to hear the Word with meekness. So what have we heard so far? Believers are doers. Believers are those who do the word. And when we see anger, we must expel it. Not just anger, but any sin. Expel it and keep listening to the word. There's a sighting of hope here. If you smell the stench of anger and want to change, you can cast it away and receive the word. It's not as if the word's a secret. You've got the word right here. It's not as if you, want, you don't have to wonder, what is God's will for my life? God's will for your life is to throw away the filth and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness his implanted word. Now, are we going to have the strength to obey perfectly and completely, completely without fault? No. But we have a Savior who came to die for those clothed in Filth and anger. He clothed himself in humility and gave us the grace not <clears throat> and not anger if we come to him and ask for help. He has great reason to be angry with us, but he is not. The presence of anger in your life does not mean that you're not a Christian. We all struggle. But how you respond to that anger in your life shows who you are. Don't be deceived. Believers are doers. We've seen the situation. We've seen the solution. Now the summary. 
The summary is very simple in verse 22. Do. Not just anything, not just do something. Be doers of the word. Verse 22. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only deceiving yourself. See, here's the danger of deception. You might be worried about other people deceiving you, but much, much more dangerous is the deception you can have about yourself. You see, there's a peril in merely hearing the word and not being shaped by it. It's difficult. It's hard. Being a doer of the word is often heart-wrenching. Obedience is never easy. And if you wait until you feel like obeying, you will never obey. We must be a people. Genuine Christians are a people who hear the word and do the word. We don't think about doing the word. We do it. We don't think about studying whether or not we should do it. We do it. We don't muse upon the word. We obey the word. We don't pray about whether we should do it. We obey the word. You see, one of the perils of of being in church and thinking that you're okay and pushing this aside is we think that sometimes if we know the right things or have done some good things for Him, then we're okay. Believers are doers and not merely hearers. Believers are doers and not merely hearers. Are you a believer? Are you a doer of the Word or merely a hearer deceiving yourself? You see, there might be some of us that know all the right things about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who have the knowledge to instruct angels and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who are able to preach to thousands and yet not a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There may be some who know a lot of Scripture, but that Scripture does not impact your life and you are not a doer of the word and you are deceived. Is that you? There might be some who can grasp the inner workings of the Trinity and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who can explain grace to make statues cry and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who read the Bible every day and yet not be a doer of that very word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who can pray down fire like Elijah and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? There might be some who have a voice to rouse the dead and yet not be a doer of the word and be deceived. Is that you? Now at some point, some of you might be scared. And you might be thinking, I am not who I should be. The question is not, are you perfect? but it's, are you a doer of the word? Now, are you going to do that word perfectly? No. But 
Is the general pattern of your life one of obedience? Do you hear the word of God and know the truth and say, that's what I'm going to do? Or do you say, listen, you don't understand. My life is much more complex and the situation I face is much more difficult and just bare obedience is not what I can do. Your life might be complex and the situation might be difficult, but more often than not, it's much more simple than we think. See, Christians who follow Jesus never put their faith in their doing, their trust in their doing, their hope in their doing. They put their trust and faith and hope in Christ. But because their faith is in Christ, they will live to honor Him. They will be a people who don't merely hear, but also do. Is that you? There are many people who passed the test of orthodoxy, who could teach seminary classes. There are people who know much more than any of us, but yet will find themselves eternally apart from God because they just knew about God and they did not know God. You can be filled with good theology and yet have an empty soul. Good theology alone never, never gave anyone access to the kingdom of God. You see, what do we point to as Christians? We point to Jesus. He's the one who took our place. We don't point to our works. But those of us who have put our faith in Christ and our hope in Jesus will be able to say, I want to please him, therefore I can obey. I'm not going to obey perfectly. I'm not going to obey without flaws. I'm not going to obey to such a degree that God's going to look down and say, wow, you're amazing. But real faith always bears the fruit of Christ-likeness. Are you a doer? Believers are doers. Believers obey. Now you might be convicted here as a believer, think, oh man, there's areas in my life that I see. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's something else. If you want to please God and you want to obey, you're on the right track. Obey. Don't wait so that you can do it perfectly. Obey. Obey. Follow him. Be a doer of the word. The grace of Christ in our life is shown as we follow him by doing the word. The grace of Christ in our lives is shown as we follow him and do the word. Grace is against earning, not Obedience. I also realize there are people here who have, who have two, there's a, those here who have a legitimate fear and an illegitimate fear. 
Some of you, listen, I realize there's a danger in preaching a sermon like this. It can destabilize genuine believers in Jesus. I don't want to do that. But I also know that some of you are built with sensitive stuff, and a message like this will send you off into morbid introspection. I don't want to do that. I want to speak a word of comfort to you. Jesus will uphold all those who genuinely seek to follow him. Your hope is not in your works. Your hope is in his work. And evidence that he's worked in you is that you want to honor him and obey. Remember that. And don't expect yourself to be faultless and flawless. And maybe you're saying, what about the sins I don't know about? What about those? If you don't know about them, you can't repent of them yet. They'll come. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to continue to be a doer of the word. There are those of you here who should have fear. I do want to instill fear in some of you. Some of you have an assurance of your salvation because of what you know and because of what you've done. And I want you to recognize that that alone is insufficient. I want you to see and feel the piercing gaze of the Lord. And it's His mercy right now that you're here to hear James say, how do you know who is a follower of Jesus and who is deceived? Well, you know, you know, because those who follow Jesus obey. They are doers of the word. So let me ask you, is your life consistent? Maybe you have a card in your pocket that says, hey, I'm a Christian. Maybe to some people, you can prove your identity. But are you who you think you are? Or are you deceived? Those who are not doers of the word are deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. I'm walking out. About to end here in just a second. You can walk out. You can feel the burden of this. But both those who should be afraid and those who shouldn't need to look at Jesus and recognize He is the Savior who can overcome our fear. And He is the one we can follow without reserve. Believers are doers. May we not be deceived. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, I pray that you would by your Spirit, visit us with your kindness. And Lord, conviction is kindness. And so Lord, I pray that you would convict us, Lord, where we need to be convicted of different areas in our lives. And as believers, may we respond by throwing that filth off and receiving with meekness the word we heard this morning. I pray that if there are any here who who think they're okay, but yet are not. I pray that you would help them to examine their lives and measure their lives, not by others in this room, but by your word. 
I pray that you would bring conviction. I pray that you would deliver sobriety. I pray that you would awaken, Lord. I pray that we would be a church of people who trust Jesus unreservedly and do his will. Jesus, we serve you. We're about you. We want to do your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.